Uh, my name is Jerry. I'm the campus pastor here at Genesis Carmel. Hello to those of you that are joining online. We're glad to have you with us today. This is a really special week for us as a church family. We are sending 56 students and leaders to the MOVE conference in Holland, Michigan this week across both of our campuses. And so, yeah, we're excited about that. But I want to have our students that are in the room or our leaders that are in the room stand so we can pray for them. So I know I've got a cluster of them over here. You guys stand. It's okay. You're go if you don't stand, you can't go. Your parents paid a lot of money for you to go to this conference, okay? So we are going, we got some leaders back here. So we're going to take a moment to, to pray for them. And I want to invite you to join us at home. Just extend a hand towards them in prayer. We're going to pray for safety and protection, but we're also going to pray that the Holy Spirit would move in some amazing ways to speak to their heart this summer. So let's pray. Father in heaven, we, we thank you for the gift of your church. And we are thankful for the gift of these students and these leaders and that they get to go out of town in a way to have a lot of fun to meet up with other people in your, in your church family. But we pray that your, your protection and, and safety over them as they travel. But Father, we pray, yes, that they would have a lot of fun. But I pray that as they worship and as they sing and as they study and as they discuss and as they build friendships, Jesus, that, that you would do for them what you've done for so many of us that are older than them, that, that you would create defining moments in their life this summer. Would you help them to hear your voice? Would you help them? Some of them are going to receive calls into ministry. Some of them are going to give their life to you for the very first time. Some of them are going to, you're going to, you're going to take them off a path that they're on and you're going to bring them. They're going to set their feet on a new path. We look forward to seeing what you're going to do in and through our students and our leaders. Thank you for the leaders that are going. They're giving up vacation to go on this trip. We're thankful for our, our staff leaders and, and just the amazing group of people that you've provided us with here at Genesis Church. Jesus, we love you and we thank you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you, students, for standing. So a little over a month ago, I got a phone call from a friend that said, hey, would you and your wife like to join me and my wife for a concert at Gainbridge Fieldhouse in downtown Indy? And I said, that's great. And it was really good. The tickets were free, but even better than that, he got to go and have access to his company's corporate suite, which meant that we had the whole thing to ourselves. We got to sit in this little box with these really cushy seats and free refreshments and some really nice bathrooms. And that's important when you go to a place like that, right? So it was, it was really good. But the best part of the whole show, the show was great. It was, it was really good. But the best part I noticed pretty quickly was those suites are situated at such an angle that we got to sit the whole time while all the people that bought floor seats or peasants, as I like to call them, all the peasants had to stand to see the stage. And I was like, this is great. I feel so special right now. Bless your hearts for standing out there. Like it was so, they were going to be so tired by the end of the show and I left refreshed, right? Now, if you've ever had an experience like that, you know, it, it feels really special, doesn't it, right? And everybody likes to feel special. So as we were leaving, I thanked my friend. I said, thank you so much. This was, this was quite an experience, but you need to know you have ruined me. I'm never coming back to Gamebridge unless I get to sit in these seats because, well, anything less would just feel so uncivilized, right? Like, who's going to, why would I ever want to do that again, right? We all love the experience of feeling special and having these different perks that we can enjoy. And you know who knows this about us? It's all the companies and all the marketers that we interact with on a regular basis, they work really hard at creating like exclusive membership clubs and VIP experiences so we can have perks that make us feel really special. When you go to Kroger and you scan your Kroger Plus card, what does that little computer lady say? Welcome, valued customer. And for a moment, you're like, I am a valued customer. Beep, beep. 
you're scanning your groceries and you're putting in the bag. You're doing all the work. You're the valued customer, right? And then you realize, she says that to everybody. I'm not special. But what can you do? You can go to Costco or Sam's and you can get a membership only card. And if you don't have a card, you can't get in. And you're special if you get in. And it feels super special until you go to check out and you, you've got this mountain of groceries and like, oh, by the way, we don't have bags. Go get your own boxes. And the lady at the door is going to card you to make sure you didn't steal anything from us. That's how much we trust you as a customer, a valued customer, right? Now we laugh, but everywhere from the grocery to our favorite restaurants, someone's trying to create a VIP experience, an exclusive membership club, so that at the end of the day, we feel like we're getting all of these special perks. And I love those perks as much as the next guy, especially if he can get me 10 cents off a gallon of gas right now, right? But I want you to think of all of those clubs that you're a part of, and I want you to take them and push them to the side today. Because today we're going to talk about a different kind of status, a different kind of, I don't even want to say membership, a status that we have, that we're invited to have in a very important organization that Jesus founded and that he refers to as the church. The church of Jesus Christ is unlike any other organization or institution or association in all of human history. There's nothing like it. Everybody else says, if you pay us money, you can be a member. But in the church, Jesus says, I am going to pay for you so that you can be a part of this thing called the church. He laid his life down as our, as our payment. And it's easy for us to think of that in terms of membership, but actually the church is meant to function as a wildly diverse body of believers, a family that is united specifically around Jesus. And here's what makes the church so unique. It's that we are adopted into God's family as his sons and daughters through our faith in his son, Jesus Christ. We don't really do anything with it other than respond to him in faith. And like many of you, I've been blessed to grow up in and around the church my entire life. I grew up in a small Catholic community in Southern Indiana, and I'm really thankful for my upbringing. With the help of my parents and the, the people in that community, I learned the core essentials of my faith. There's one God in heaven. Jesus is his son. He died on the cross to pay for my sins. Like I was taught that at a very early age by my, fam by my parents and the people in our church family. And as I grew up, I continued to believe that. But then this amazingly beautiful woman invited me to go to church with her one day in Louisville, Kentucky. She went on to be my wife, but she invited me and said, hey, would you come to church with me? And it was a church a lot like Genesis Church. They taught right out of the Bible every week. I had never experienced that in my life. And all of a sudden, these pieces of my faith began coming together. And I'll never forget the day that it all clicked for me. It was November the 5th of the year 2000. And God spoke to me very clearly, directly to my heart. And this is what he said. I'm, I'm sitting next to my future wife. And he said, are you here for me or for her today? And all of a sudden I realized I, I needed to respond to him. And that's the day I realized I, I'm a sinner. I have damaged my relationship with God, but he was extending to me grace and mercy and peace with him through the gift of his son, Jesus Christ. And I was, that's the day I surrendered my life to Jesus. I was baptized two weeks later. My family came to celebrate that with me. It's the day that my life was changed, but it's also the day, and I didn't realize this at the time, but it was the day that I started loving this thing called the church. And for the last 22 years, I've learned to love the church in a variety of different ways. And I know that a lot of you feel the same way about the church, the global church made up of followers of Jesus all over the world, but specifically this church, Genesis Church. I've had so many of you tell me what you love and what makes Genesis unique to you and to your family. And so today I just want to share some things that I love about the church. And I think you're going to agree with me on these things. 
I just, I just want to remind us of what the church is and why it's important for us to interact in the right way with the church. So one of the reasons I love the church is because I love our Savior. I love Jesus. I mean, PJ just got emotional about this when he was leading us, but think about it. He said, God, Jesus, thank you for being, thank you for working out the plan. The plan is that he would die in our place. That's, what, that's why Jesus came into this world. And, and in Matthew chapter 16, we, fe- we find a conversation that's taking place between Jesus and his disciples, and he actually is talking with them about this idea of the church. To my knowledge, it's the first time the word church comes up, and it's on Jesus's lips. In Matthew 16, uh, Jesus is at a city called Caesarea Philippi. And Caesarea Philippi was in the north of Israel. It had a lot of uh, Greco and Roman influence there. It was known for being a pagan city of worship that included things like child sacrifice on a regular basis. So it was spiritual, but it was incredibly spiritually dark. And it was at this particular place that Jesus asks his disciples this question. He says, what do people say? Or who do people say the son of man is? In other words, what do people say about me? And his disciples reply, well, some say you're John the Baptist and others Elijah. Still others, Jeremiah, are one of the prophets. But then Jesus turns the question and says, well, what about you guys? You know me better than anyone. What do you say? Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Now, the word Messiah is a Hebrew word that means anointed one. And so when Peter responds instantly, what he is saying is, Jesus, you are the one we've all been waiting for, for generations. You're our king, you're our savior, you're our Lord, you're our redeemer. And listen to what Jesus responds back to Peter. He doesn't say, oh, you're being so dramatic. Verse 17, he says, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build, important word, not the church, I will build my church, Jesus says. And the gates of Hades or the gates of hell will not be able to overcome it. And so Jesus makes, this, makes it clear that he is the founder of the church. It was his idea from the very beginning. And if you read through the rest of the New Testament, what you discover is that the church is incredibly valuable to Jesus. This isn't like a fun side project for him. The church is really valuable to him. In in his letter to the Ephesian church, the apostle Paul writes these words to describe Jesus's relationship to the church. He says, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Paul says, Jesus loved this idea of the church so much that he laid his life down so that we can be invited into this family, the family of God through faith in Jesus. And the writers of the New Testament spend a lot of time emphasizing the important role that the church is meant to play in advancing the gospel message all around the world. In the book of Acts, the book of Acts is like the the history of the early church. One of my favorite books in the New Testament. If you haven't read it or if it's been a while, you should go read it. In Acts chapter one, Jesus rises from the dead by, the, by Acts chapter two, he's ascended into heaven, but he promised his disciples, he said, I am going to send my Holy Spirit to live inside of you. And that's what happens. The Holy Spirit comes and empowers them. They begin speaking boldly in the name of Jesus. And on that day, the day of Pentecost, the church was born. 3,000 people surrender their lives to the authority of Jesus. And the church explodes onto the scene. And this is kind of the pattern that's laid down for us through the rest of scripture. People come to faith in Jesus, they're baptized into him, and the church continues to grow. And not only were people baptized, but they cared for one another in some pretty radical ways. 
They met together in large groups. They met together in homes. They ate together. They, they gave money to support missions across the world. They supported the needs of individuals in their community. The church was unlike anything that had ever been on planet earth. They worshiped together. They prayed together. And I love in Acts chapter 2, 47, the writer Luke says, and here's the culmination of it all. Listen to these words. The Lord added to their number daily those that were being saved. Every day. And I believe that's not just a then thing. That's a now thing. Every day people are being added to the family of the church when they come to faith in who Jesus is. So you can understand why the church is so valuable to Jesus, right? And throughout the New Testament, we find a lot of different symbols and, and images that are used to help us understand this relationship that Jesus has with his church. We sang about one of them a moment ago in that song, Cornerstone. It comes from 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 5 through 6, where Peter writes and he says, you also, he's writing to his fellow followers of Jesus, and he says, you also are like living stones, or you're being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now, what I love about this is it's easy for us to think of the church as a building and a time and a place on Sunday. And Peter says, no, 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 no. We are the living stones we are the temple. He lives inside of us. And then he goes on to say this, verse six, he quotes the Old Testament and says, for in scripture, it says, see, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone. And the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. And so Peter says, Jesus is the cornerstone of the church. The cornerstone is the most important stone in a foundation. If you pull that stone away, everything falls apart. And Peter says, that's what's true with Jesus. The church is built on Jesus and you take him away. I don't know what you have, but you don't have a church. So Jesus is the cornerstone of the church, but Jesus is also referred to as a groom that's waiting for his bride. We find this in Ephesians 5.25. It says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Paul says, let me, let me help you understand how much Jesus, the way that a husband should love his wife is the way that Jesus loves us. He laid down his life. Now, this idea of a, Jesus being a groom is found throughout the New Testament. But if you go to the last book, the book of Revelation, the apostle John describes the day that we're all waiting for. The day when Jesus will return in great power and glory, he refers to it as the wedding feast of the lamb. Do you get the picture? Jesus is the groom. We are the bride and he's going to return one day and we're going to be united with him, the one that has created our souls. So Jesus is, the, is a groom waiting for his bride. Jesus is the cornerstone of the church. That's why I love the church because I love our savior. I love what he has done for us. But I also love the church because like you, I love the people. I love our people. That's what makes the church special. Let's go back to that conversation in Matthew 16 that Jesus is having with his disciples in Caesarea Philippi. Peter makes this bold proclamation that Jesus is the Messiah. And Jesus says, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. And I tell you that you're Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. And then Jesus says this, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. So the idea here is that Jesus is saying, Peter, what you said is really important and I'm gonna make you the leader over the whole thing. But he also says, I'm gonna give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Now there's a lot of debate on what this means, but I like how my former pastor, Bob Russell describes it. 
He says, think about it. The point of a key is to unlock a door. And in Acts chapter two, it was the apostle Peter who boldly preached the first gospel message. And all of a sudden the door was open for Jewish people to put their faith in Jesus as their savior. And then if you go to Acts chapter 10, it was the apostle Peter who spoke to a non-Jewish centurion, Roman centurion named Cornelius. And he put his faith in Jesus and all of a sudden the door was opened to the Gentiles or to non-Jewish people. Now I find hope, you should find hope in knowing that Jesus would use a guy like Peter. If you don't know anything about him, he's a screw up. He never got it right. He always said the wrong thing. Sometimes he did the right thing, but a lot of times he did the wrong thing. And you know why I like Peter so much is because he reminds me of me. All high highs and low lows and lots of in between. But here's what's cool. Jesus says, Peter, I chose you. You're going to be the leader of this new thing. I'm going to send my spirit to live inside of you. And I just want you to lead the charge. And what Jesus has done for Peter, he's done for every single one of us. He has died in our place. And we put our faith in him. He fills us with his spirit. And he says, I've given you gifts you don't even know that you have. And I want you to use them to build up my church to advance my kingdom. And so if you feel like, well, I've probably messed things up. You're going to love talking to Peter in heaven. You guys can swap some stories. But I really do. I love the people that make up this church. There's a couple of you that drive me crazy. I'd like to mention some names like Sam Milligan's top on my list. Joel Burkhead, can't stand that guy. Actually, I love those guys. Brad Johnson, eh, he's kind of, I don't know. Derek Weed, I think we've got a restraining order against Derek. He's not supposed to be here. I love those guys. Those, you know why I tease them? Those guys are like brothers to me. I love this church because of the way we love one another and we can tease like that. The church is made up of some really special people where we love and care for one another. But I love you guys because I love the way you serve. I love the way you serve in Gen Kids and GSM, the way you disciple our students from all ages of life. I love the way you welcome people that are new. I love, I love meeting new people that have met like five new people before they get to me. You guys are doing a great job of that. I love, I love the way you pray with people and for people that are hurting. I love the stories of men and women that are giving up their vacation this week and in a few weeks to go on these trips with our students to show them what it looks like to follow Jesus every day. I love the stories of people that go beyond the four walls of this church and they take Jesus with them in their neighborhood, in their local school, to work everywhere they go. Jesus is on their mind and on their tongue. I love the way that you guys give generously to help us accomplish incredible things. I love, love, love the people of our church family. A few weeks ago, I told you about, uh, we told you about Dave and Garrett Olgies. Dave and Garrett are part of our Noblesville campus. Dave is a really gifted therapist, has become a really good friend of mine over the last year. And Dave and Garrett have been, his family have been working with a ministry in Ukraine. Actually, they helped start this ministry 22 years ago. And Dave came to our lead pastor, Paul Mumon, and said, hey, I'm taking Garrett. We're going to go do some work. And Paul didn't even hesitate. And he said, we want to pay for that trip because we know you and we know what you're about. We've seen you on the ground there. So as a church family, we were able to fund their trip and they went, one, to connect with some of their friends and family that had been displaced, but they also went to help other therapists. And Dave wrote us a letter to tell us about his experience. He said, our family has had the privilege of being part of Mission to Ukraine for the last 22 years. And the folks at Ministry to Ukraine serve children with disabilities and their families and help to provide resources for those with a crisis pregnancy. And over the years, we've become friends 
with many families in Ukraine. Some of them have become like family to us. When the invasion happened, many of our friends were displaced and we went with two goals in mind when we went to Poland. We wanted to find them so we can encourage them. And secondly, we wanted to provide training in mental health first aid to healthcare professionals. And to say that God showed up was an understatement. Not only were we able to see and support our friends, we were able to help many of their relatives as well. And he tells this story of a young couple named Oleg and Tanya. They were living in a 300 square foot apartment with 11 of their in-laws. Yes, let's pray for them right now. Can you even imagine? But Dave says, we were able to secure a second small apartment with utilities and beds enough for everyone. Dave says, never in my life did I think God would do so much with what we had to give. Later in the week, we were able to help a dear friend and her family immigrate to America. They were uh, they're living here in Indy where she's teaching as a professor for the next year. And then he says, in that training in mental health that I was telling you about, God brought nearly 150 healthcare professionals to our time together, all of whom were currently working both in and outside of Ukraine to help the Ukrainian people. And he wraps up his letter by saying this. It really is true. Just like the few fish and a couple of loaves, all you have to do is offer to God what you have to give and watch as he does so much more with it. I'm so glad he insists on working with us to change the world. Now, here's what's really cool about that story, Genesis. We were able to fund that trip completely. And Dave and Garrett trained 150 workers that are in a really stressful environment. I love this church because I love people like the old Jesus, and I love people like you. You have encouraged my family in ways you can't imagine. When we moved here five years ago, we knew Paul and Jenny Mumal. That was it. We didn't even know their kids. We knew Paul and Jenny Mumal, and they're on the other side of town. And so Casey and I prayed. We're like, God, we're going to need some friends because we left all of our family and an entire network of friends in our church. And God has responded by sending us friends they're like family. When my mom died a few years ago, you all took care of us in ways we could have never imagined. And it hurt not being home, but I got to see what the church was supposed to be like. It's been incredible, but it's not just me and my wife. We prayed specifically for our kids because they did not want to leave our church. They were not happy about that move. But over the last five years, they have come to love, they, they consider Genesis to be their church home. And I just want to say thanks to those of you that serve in Gen Kids and GSM because you're helping to disciple our kids. You're walking this road with us. In a few weeks, I got to preach at the Noblesville campus. And my kids were like, hey, Dad, you're going by yourself. Our family's in Carmel. And so as a dad, I just want to say thank you. Because five years ago, that wasn't the case. And so I just want to say thank you. I, I love you guys. I love the way that you love one another. And I love, you know, another thing I love about our church, I love our mission. I love our mission of helping people find their way back to God. It's, it's memorable, but it's biblical. It's scriptural. It comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, where the apostle Paul is reminding followers of Jesus what it means for us to follow him. He says, you are dead to sin. You are alive in Christ. You are a new creation in Christ. You have a new identity in who Jesus says that you are. You have a new purpose and you have a new mission. And some translations translate that mission as helping people find their way back to God through a relationship with Jesus as our savior. And as followers of Jesus, that is the call for us every day at the gym and at home, wherever we go, that's what we want to do. And in the book of Acts, we see the early church live this out. And we want to be a church that takes that banner and moves it forward. 
And this is why we like partnering and supporting other like-minded ministries like Last Bell Ministry in Ukraine and Nehemiah Vision Ministries in Haiti and Opportunities Now in Myanmar. In two weeks, you're going to get to hear from the Opportunities Now team. Steve's going to interview them. Met with those guys this week as a staff. They're doing some amazing work, you guys, and we get to, we get to fund that. It's going to blow your mind what they do. It's why we partner with local organizations like Carmel Youth Assistance with school supplies and Food for Souls to help homeless people here in Indy and Shepherd Community Center and Young Life in Hamilton County. It's why we support ministries in Scotland and Central Asia and the Caribbean. And later this year, we're sending uh, Lydia and Justin who are going to France. They're on stage with us today. That's exciting. We've helped plant churches like Movement Church in Cincinnati, uh, New Heights Church in Indianapolis, Reality Church in Miami, And I think more exciting than all of that is a growing church network in Albania that we continue to help fund. So there's ministries all over the world where people are finding their way back to God, but it's also happening within the four walls of our church. Every Sunday between both of our campuses, hundreds of kiddos, birth to fifth grade, participate in our Gen Kids ministry. And you know what's exciting to me about that is that's the future of our church. When young families show up and they drop their kids off, and their kids are learning something while we're worshiping in here. Do you understand how important that is? If you want to know what the future of our church looks like, you walk down that hallway. It is an honor every time young families say, take my kids so they can go there and I can go here. Amazing things happen in our Gen Kids ministry. In our student ministry, we're sending, I think, maybe as many, if not more, students to mix and move this summer than ever before. Definitely here in Carmel. Exciting things are happening. Every weekend as a church family, Our attendance continues to grow even through the summer. That just doesn't happen. We've got an online presence where people, we meet new people all the time that are checking us out online and then they're coming to service. They're not just hanging out online. Do you guys understand what a big deal that is? It'd be so easy to stay at home, but they wanna come and see what we're all about. Our groups ministry continues to grow. I'm excited this fall to launch lots of new groups. We've got summer barbecues going out. We were at one last night in somebody's backyard, and I watched a bunch of people that have been around Genesis for a while, all these different people meeting one another, and I thought, this is great. This is the way the church is supposed to function. If you want to help host one of those, let me know. We'd love to help you launch one this summer. This fall, we're going to get back to doing our kingdom worker training events where we train people on how to make disciples that make disciples. Probably the most important thing we do because it's the way that we go into the world and we show people what it looks like to not just to know Jesus, but how to follow Jesus and help other people follow Jesus. And so I love the church because I love the people. I love the mission. And more than anything, just like you, I love Jesus. It's all centered around what he has done for us. He has shown us the way. He has died in our place and said, I want you to come with me and to help advance my kingdom through this thing I call the church. And so I don't think I have to convince you that Jesus has meant for the church to be radically different than any other organization on the planet. And earlier we learned that the church, or Jesus is the cornerstone of the church. And we learned that Jesus is like a groom waiting for his bride, the church. But there's one more example that the apostle Paul hints at in Ephesians chapter five. He says this, for the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the savior. And I think it's interesting that Paul says, hey, It's really important that a husband love his wife, but let me show you what it looks like. It's the same way that Jesus loves his church. He's the head and the church is the body. The head and the body can't be separated. He is the head. We are his visible representation to the world. We are his hands 
in his feet. We, we go where he leads. And I know many of you have heard that analogy before and you think, well, that, of course, that's biblical. That's, that's what it is. And we love the church and we believe that that's true and we enjoy and we value the church. But it's really easy for us as VIP customers and exclusive club membership members it's easy for us to forget how the church is meant to function. It's easy for us to say, oh, I'm, I'm going to show up and get the perks for me. I'm going to let everybody else do the work. I'm, not, I'm just not feeling it right now. Can you imagine if Jesus showed up at the cross and said, hey, I'm not feeling it today. Let's try this again later. We forget how the church is meant to function, and we treat it like every other organization. It's dangerous because we're called to be the hands and the feet. And if we're not the hands and the feet, guess what? The church isn't the church. It's a glorified community center at best. And a glorified community center was never meant to house the Holy Spirit of God. It's the church of Jesus Christ. The church is meant to function at full capacity. And if we're not functioning at full capacity, I think we're going to miss out on some opportunities. You guys get this. You've had this happen before, right? A few years ago, my wife and I, we, we, we bought, we made a really... Wasn't a fun purchase, but was a necessary purchase. Our kids were toddlers. We had Cheerios and cheese it dust everywhere. I thought we need a we need a really good vacuum cleaner. We're tired of having junk on our floor. So we spent money and bought a really nice vacuum cleaner, and it was awesome. Our kids were mad that they didn't have Cheerios to eat off the floor anymore. We were just sweeping everything up. It was so great. But after a while, we used that vacuum cleaner so much, it something was wrong. We'd plug it in and we'd turn it on. It would make noise, but it was not picking stuff up. And I discovered that after all the usage, it had developed cracks in the hose. And so we thought, well, we just, do we get a new vacuum or what happens? Well, we replaced the hose and guess what? Brand new vacuum cleaner. And it works great. It works at full capacity. I think that analogy is kind of like what can happen in the church. We look like a church. We do things that church people do. We sound like a church. We can even grow like a church. But if we are not all giving and serving and playing our part, we're not functioning at full capacity. And there are people that God wants us to reach. By the way, we live in a community that is growing. We need to grow with that community. And so it's going to take all of us playing our role. Every single one of us, nobody gets to be a diva and say, ah, oh, that's for somebody else. Every one of us giving and serving. Because here's what's happened. We've been growing over the last, we, we have grown in the last two years in ways I would have never imagined possible. But as we've grown, there's cracks and there's gaps. And we've got a faithful crew of people that are help pulling things off, not just in services, but all over the place. We're not functioning at full capacity. And I just want you to imagine what could happen if every single one of us that called this place their church home said, I'm gonna do my part. I'm gonna step up because of what Jesus has done for me. And I'm not just talking about bigger and better services. I'm talking about reaching people discipling kids and students. I want you to imagine what could happen. And if we don't, it's fine. I think we're gonna level off. I think we're gonna max out. This isn't a desperate plea. I'm telling you this because I 
I know that you love me and I love you and we love this church. And I know that you want good things for this church. You want good things for your kids. You want good things for the future of this church. I mentioned Gen Kids earlier. We've been mentioning Gen Kids a lot. Guys, we're like 30% above where we were with our kids before COVID. We're at a place where we're gonna have to start closing those rooms because we don't have enough volunteers. Now, I'm not saying that to guilt you. I'm saying that's an amazing problem for us to have. We're talking about more kids than before. But if we don't step up, we've got to close those doors, which means when new families come in and they see a door closed, they think, oh, I guess there's no room for us here. Or they're going to bring them in here, and that's a little distracting. Or they're going to have to watch out there, or they're going to opt to watch online. Those aren't good options. We want to reach those folks. We want to help those kids know Jesus. We want to encourage those parents. And so I'm telling you, we need 15 to 20 people to step up to help serve in-gen kids so that we can continue to grow and keep space open. And you know what? If we run out of room in that hallway, that's okay. We'll rent a trailer. We'll do whatever we have to do to create some new classrooms. But we need 15 to 20 people to make that happen. Amazing things are happening in our student ministry. They meet every Sunday night. And we need middle school and high school people, adults that are going to say, hey, I'd love to help do for a, a kid what somebody did for me and just show them what it looks like to follow Jesus. We need people helping there. I said this before, one of the things I love about our church is how friendly we are. I love when people walk through that door and they're not new for long because people are, are finding them. But we've got a faithful crew of a few that are helping with the blue tent on the doors and in the cafe. We need 15 to 20 people to step up, to serve at those doors, to greet, to welcome, to invite. Hear me say this. I know you love this church. If the church is a body, what happens when the body stops growing? It dies. So I don't want just our church to grow. I want it to thrive. Can you imagine what it would be like if we were the best representation of the church in Carmel, Indiana? And when people thought of Genesis, they were like, oh, they're all about Jesus. Those people serve and give to Jesus in ways we have never seen before. And so I wanna invite you, if, if Jesus has changed your life, and you consider Genesis to be your church home, I wanna invite you to do something. I want everybody to do this for me right now. Just please appease me in this. At home, you can pretend that you're doing this. Grab one of these blue connection cards in the seat back in front of you, okay? Go ahead, go ahead, do it. I can see you. I can tell if you're not doing it. I will call names because I love you. If you are not currently serving anywhere on a Sunday morning and you consider Genesis to be your church home, this is what I want you to do. Write your name, write your phone number, and just write the word serve. We will follow up with you and help you find a place where you can use your gifts and your talents and your abilities because I believe that Jesus is calling you to be the hands and feet in this church. And I know some of us had to take a break with COVID. That's okay, I get it. I wanna invite you back into the game. We would love to partner with you. If you're new or you're visiting, and you're, you've got questions about what Genesis is about, write your name and your phone number on here and just say, I'm new and I'll meet you for coffee or lunch and we'll talk about it. We'd love to help you find a group where you can connect and find a place to serve. This is a tangible next step. You can turn these in in those black boxes by the door or in the blue tent in the lobby. But imagine what could happen if every single one of us served in a way that we were able to build this up. You know what you can't see? There is a group of students that work backstage in our tech ministry. Our tech ministry runs on high school students, which is awesome until they go to college. So guys, I'm telling you every single one of us, 
Last group of people I want to talk to. If you've never surrendered to Jesus, we would love for you to be a part of the Genesis family, but that begins by faith in Jesus. And I don't want you to fill a card out for this one. I want to invite you to come find me after service. I'm not going to convince you of anything. I just want to tell you who Jesus is and what he's done and help you take that next step. We're going to pray together. And I want to, it's in your hands. I want to invite you guys on this journey with us. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for the gift of the church, for the gift of your son, Jesus. The church is possible because of what you've done for us. And so, Jesus, we just ask that you would, you would move in a powerful way, that you would help us to see the gifts. And you've given us gifts and talents and abilities we don't even know we have. Would you help every single one of us to step up and serve and give in such a way that we would advance your kingdom for the glory of your name? So that when people think of Genesis, they think of Jesus. Jesus, we love you and we praise you. It's in your name we pray.